Welcome to the Live Well, Perform Better podcast, brought to you by Below the Line. My name is David Duggan, and I am part of a team made up of experts from the worlds of business, elite sport, adventure, and health and well-being. We are coaches, mentors, and advisors to some of the world's biggest companies and organizations, as well as smaller businesses, entrepreneurs, and people looking to make their mark on the world. Our guiding mantra at Below the Line is live well, perform better. What does that mean, you might ask? Good question. Maybe the easiest way to describe it from our perspective is finding the formula that works for you when it comes to things like looking after your physical and mental health, running your business, developing your career, leading your people, or simply being able to show up as brilliantly as possible into your own life, both for yourself and those around you. That's why each week I sit down with a member of our team or an invited guest for a conversation that focuses on the question, what do the words live well, perform better mean to you? This question is a way into exploring with people from a range of different backgrounds, industries and disciplines, what are the practices, techniques, habits or ideas that they use to help them to show up and be at their best in all areas of their lives, whether that's as CEOs, leaders or managers, or as parents, family members or friends. We keep it short and sweet so that you can extract all the good stuff and get on with the rest of your day and hopefully put some of this knowledge, experience and expertise into play for yourself. This week, I'm delighted to welcome another very special guest, Ronan O'Brien of Breathwave Ireland. Ronan is a man of many talents and disciplines who is probably most widely known for his work as a Breathwave practitioner, whose virtual Wednesday evening breathing sessions became a vital part of people's coping mechanisms during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, and which continue to attract a large audience of participants from across the world. I was first made aware of Ronan via members of the Below the Line Press Pause community and with my curiosity piqued, I reached out to see if I could talk to him and find out more about his work. What followed was a fascinating conversation with a really thoughtful and thought-provoking person whose path towards what he does has been shaped by challenging personal circumstances and overcoming them, emotional and spiritual awakenings at key moments in his life and learning to trust both himself and the work he is doing so that he can create the life he wants for himself while doing something that holds huge meaning both for himself and his clients. Please subscribe at www.belowtheline.ie where you can stay up to date with the podcast as well as exclusive online events and sessions including our Press Pause coaching community and our story coaching programs. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Okay, great. So look, yeah, I'll kick in with the first question and see where that takes us. Um, why do you do what you do? I do what I do because, well, I enjoy it. And, and why do I enjoy it? I enjoy it because I have gone through a process of, different, to use different words, development, experience, realizations, that the most the most preferable way that I want to live my, my, my work life balance is by helping people and by helping people achieve a space within themselves where they're able to help themselves. So breath work is how that would translate for me. You know, one of the words that came up to me is this, uh, as I was kind of researching you was this idea of curiosity. You seem to be very curious about yourself and um, how you can be in alignment with who you are and and the world around you. Was that correct or? Yeah, you know, so like 
traditionally I would have a sporting background and a, uh, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I would have been PT. I would have been an aspiring rugby player and, you know, and, and a mix in between. So a lot of my, a lot of my focus was about performing and a lot of my focus was about pushing, you know, and, and in, in those areas, I really found out it's through injury and through kind of having to take that time back from it, that that's what I thought other people wanted me to be. And that's what I felt that I should be in a family, in a society, in a neighborhood that kind of gives you credit for the, for, for being a person like that. So to being a, a big, strong rugby player or to being or whatever that might be for individuals, be that be it a, a doctor, that be it a musician, whatever that means for people. But for me, it meant being a, a physically able and athletic person. And as through injuries occurred, and I, 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 so the, the injury, the, the big, my big injury, which plays a huge part in my life, is that I broke, I broke my back. And I broke my back when I was 18. And, and how that then has come to be. I remember saying at one stage that my lotto would be having my back fixed. You know? And now I, I would look at that comment and kind of go, because I was in chronic pain for the best part of 20 years. And how I would look at that now and refer to that statement is that if I didn't have it, if I didn't have that, 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 that pain, that stone in my shoe, that's something that, that, that kept pulling me off or distracting me, looking for its attention, looking for me to re pay real attention to it, then, you know, I'd be a very different person now. And I think I would be a, a person that would have been caught up in the pleasing of societal norms and uh, how I'm not that now. Talk to me about, um, you know, that the 20 years of, of, of chronic pain, because it's only when the, the body screams loud enough that um, we, we hear it. Is that is that true for you or talk to me about that? Yeah, it is. And, and it also aligns with the with the term you may have come across as is the the path of the wounded healer and how and how your pain becomes your power or how your your journey through the the darkness of depression or your journey through physical injury uh family trauma or wherever it may be grief that it becomes the the well in which you almost drowning but learn to swim and how then that becomes part of your gift to what you offer people as as you move with the learning and with the education of it obviously you've gone from um strength and conditioning personal trainer to now working with the breath so i'd imagine was that was that fueled by your exploration to kind of um, be free from pain or, or or achieve pain relief i definitely would have been looking for pain relief I went to various therapists I went to various anything that I thought like bioenergy Reiki did did not something that I was kind of maybe 
relaxed enough to to feel the benefit of of the, at the time. But I was looking for a steamroller to iron me out in ways because I was just, you know, talk about I wasn't able to. I wasn't able to wash my face at the at the sink in the in in the bathroom. I couldn't bend over to that degree. That's when it was really chronic, and like subsequently I, I did. I got back playing, and after a while, and I, I did. I broke my collarbone, and at twenty five, I was like, I can't keep getting over injuries and not be and not be kind of in a and still being a fair bit off, you know, a professional career, for example. So I made the decision that, look, it's, I'm just, I'm really kind of beating my body up here. And, um, and you know, and, and after those years, I, I worked at various jobs and industries and I was kind of adrift. I would have been on unknowns to myself. And, you know, I think a big part of that, and especially understanding what sports does for young men particularly is that it gives them a channel to explore their energy it gives them a channel to be recognized in their community and how you know a rite of passage is something that i've become becoming to understand from seeing the youth around me and from not having it in myself so not having a rite of passage so not not having that not coming out of that that adolescent stage into young manhood and being recognized as you're a man. For me, in, in, in where I live in Limerick, at that time, it would have been like, you're playing senior cup rugby with your club. Therefore, you're seen as a man, you've developed into that stage, you know? And I, I, it was very frustrating for me that I didn't get to that. And how there wasn't any other alternatives in terms of you know, in religious terms, traditionally, you would have had it as confirmation or whatever it may, it may have been. Uh, and in tribal or terms, it would have been like, you know, you go out to the wild with no food for three days and three nights and you make a camp for yourself and you learn to light your own fire and find your own food, those kind of things. So there, we have been diffused from our ability to really find ourselves with a huge proportion of testosterone that is driving an, an insatiable energy to, to create and to be seen. And when we don't have that, and some people can have it for, for different parenting styles or whatever, but when we don't have it, we, we come into this long stasis of, yeah, I'm a man in my 20s. But I'm still a young fella, and I, I'm I'm kind of recognised, and 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 what people have moved to to be recognised is financial success, is the car, or is the the you know a consumer a consumer proportion, which is like well he's got the house, he's got the car, he's got a lovely wife, or play that in, in different areas. And then it's like, yeah, but is he happy? Uh, and and as we see now, and and how uh, you know trauma or how dysregulation or frustration in the male is like, and, and I'm saying the male because I'm I'm talking about 
my 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 experience my interpretation but it's it's still similar in in females only that in in in, in women traditionally is that obviously when when they they're, they're recognized in womanhood when they've when they when, when they're able to conceive so that there's a there is there is a there's a difference obviously um and i'd love to have the to hear more from a a, a female point of view around that um but yeah so as, as a young man moving on and then you, you're supposed to have these certain milestones set when you don't have those milestones set you start going what's wrong with me i'm not good enough I'm stupid. I'm A, B, and C. Not happy. Underlining the, the the various different contexts in which we would instill upon ourselves, because society is 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 judging us as being successful if we have money, if we are have a position in a company, or you know if you're driving the Mercedes, for instance, and and how usually at some stage the penny drops and it all that doesn't matter and it happens people when they're sick people come to the point and kind of go sure i did all this i have all that i ticked all the boxes but i fucking colon cancer what good is it or like i can't my fertility is i, I isn't isn't there or, or and how it's you know how, how the body has 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 been ignored for so long that it's now looking for to for your attention in a different way and then i guess to come back to somewhat answering the question that how pain for me eventually got me to there in my 30s and but i do feel that it wasn't helped from the societal influx or the societal banner of not being recognized as a man, not being recognized as, you know, in tribal terms, as a warrior, as a, a brave, as a, you know, so somewhere in there. And in terms of uh, rites of passage or those types of um, experiences, did you go and seek those for yourselves or try and um, experience them, you know, in other parts of the world or whatever it might be? Unbeknownst to myself, yes. I didn't go out with that, like, you know, I'm going to find myself. So what happened for me was, and, you know, I know Joe Rogan gets a lot of press right now, but he, he opened up conversations for people. And I'm going back 15 years when he was, you know, who was Joe Rogan? What was UFC? And I didn't come at it from a UFC point of view. I came at it from a point of listening to it because he, he was interviewing a guy called Graham Hancock. And Graham Hancock is an English, an English journalist originally, and how he started going down the road of questioning the origins of civilization and coming up with like questioning how really how really much older is are the pyramids, is Newgrange, and how we are an, a species with amnesia. And if anybody is interested in that, definitely get onto Graham Hancock amazing book fingerprints of the gods and how i was in kind of um how i was taken with his conversation was that he was saying that he was he was addicted to to marijuana and he 
he was using marijuana as a for his for his writing capabilities and helping him to to create more ideas and helping him to kind of get out of his head but also what he didn't realize is that it was affecting his life and his relationship with his wife in a very very toxic way because he was paranoid because he was controlling and so on and the way he came to realize that was through sitting with a plant medicine called ayahuasca and how ayahuasca our it's known as the grandmother would have come in and given that very told him the story or told him the given him the understanding through this through this realm of connecting with the plant life via a psychedelic and, and being minded in a i think he did it in peru and allowed him to kind of unlayer the the masks that he had around himself down to the core and how to bit in the core of himself then translated to you have a problem with marijuana and it's coming from this part of your life and it's a control mechanism so basically he came back from the this excursion and this 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 trip and he stopped smoking marijuana he apologized to his wife and his life took a very very proactive change you know and so i was you know i'm interested in this i'm like gosh and i i don't have a background in party drugs or anything so i i'm i'm pretty green and pretty very inexperienced in 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 that realm those realms and 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 back then we you know we didn't have a lot of information on even the internet about it. This is 15 years ago, yeah, easily. So, so I kind of put the word out and eventually it came to me that there was a, a, an indigenous guy traveling and he had papers from the tribe he was with and he was working with a, a, a medicine and it was kind of like ayahuasca and i said okay i'll trust it i'll go and uh i went to the hills and i met this man and i had an experience that was probably was most earth-shattering frightening profound and life-changing in 15 minutes and i i don't tell people to go looking for it I, I don't suggest that they need it or anything like that. This is what happened to me. Um, and luckily, I, you know, I wasn't married at the time. I didn't have kids. I, ha I, I had the ability to go and kind of integrate it without having too many other distractions. I just had that time, that point in my life. And it was, you know, to this day, it was profound. And I, I went back and, and visited that guy. He came back kind of six months again later and the the medicine that he worked with was called 5-MeO DMT uh it's a an ex, a secretion from the from the Sonoran desert toad and for me it was it, it was the most frightening thing I ever did in my life was to do that a second time so to tie all 
that back into where we're going or where this conversation is, is, is building and leading to. It's not about going out, having experiences and going, wow, this is what the world is really like. But it's about how it really was part of my initiation from what I thought it was to be a human and what I thought it was to be a this person called Ronan and how it translated into something much more profound and much more ecstatic. And it gave me, and I guess that was part of my um, initiation from my old self into my new self. Fantastic. I love that word, ecstatic. Um, uh, and just picking up on something you said there earlier, just a second ago, what is it to be human now for you? Well, what it was for me to be human then was what a lot of people are stuck with. They're, 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 it was stuck with, I really care what other people think of me. I, I'm, I'm really, uh, I've got to, to achieve, I've got to be able to have a greater ability to purchase and consume, to, you know, to how the mask I wear isn't the mask of who I am. And how that's the you know the persona on, on on different levels that that was for me, and and what it is to be human now, what it is to be human now is 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 a practice. It's a different type of practice, and being being human now is a practice of catching yourself when you're lying to yourself, and being honest with yourself, and as much as possible treating people how you like to be treated, or treating people with a you know a, a, a whole new understanding of empathy and compassion because in that experience for me with that with that medicine i i met i met love i met love in its in its in its entirety and it was it was it was shattering it was absolutely so so intense it it, it broke me and i had to <clears throat> rebuild myself and in that rebuilding you know i hope I think I got some of it right, you know, and, and that was moving myself to be in service to other people and not, and I, when I say in service to other people, but it's also with the boundaries of like, um, for myself that I fill my own glass first. And it's from there that I'm able to help people top up their glass and I don't, I'm not running on empty. I'm not, you know, my, 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 my self-care is through to me and my family. And then what happens after that is, is a joy in helping. In, in the helping is the receiving, is in the, and it's somewhere. And again, there's kind of different avenues where that, that might be explained for, for different people's journey. But for my journey, it's like through breath work and how my understanding, how my, my, my dive into breath work, um, created an awareness and created a, a, a practice of fulfillment through my nervous system that better engages me with the world and with the work that I'm drawn to do and enjoy doing. As I listen to you describe um, that transition or that change that the, the psychedelics kind of brought about, but 
I also hearing that you you seem to have broken the pattern or um, become more aware of the negative impact of comparative thinking on you. Would that be right? Or it, I catch it every week. You know, it's that's something that I'm ever over of. There's this always you're you're always you know you know at the back of your mind somewhere some part of that reptilian part of your brain stands besides another man and you want to see who's taller you know um it's so much less there now um and when i do catch myself now i'm able to laugh at myself i mean as 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 the buddha reached enlightenment he started laughing and it's it's the laughing at yourself and it's the it's just the, the pressures, projections, and pronunciations you put on your own kind of limitations, and that when we when you, when enlightenment comes to like as in the Buddha or is in those those ah deep aha moments, and you're like you just have to laugh at yourself for taking yourself so seriously, you know, because you know we are. And in and also in that in that same breath, it's the it's the absolute it's the absolute gratitude for the ability to to live in this body in this life because it's a gift because it's 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 it's, it's an experience that when we can move through it with with grace with forgiveness with love that it's it's exponential and it's not narrow and it just we, we come from here thinking of what we should be what we need to be and what, if anyone can't see me i have an, my hands up like blinkers and, it, and you're like it's a one way this is what i'm doing and as we kind of come into a realization or we come into like a development of from it can be called a spiritual practice yeah it can it's um but it's not Again, for me, it's not a religious practice. It's not, it's not a spiritual practice that I think mine is right and someone else's is, 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 kind of, is half right or anything like that. It's the alignment of my spiritual practice is, is, is allowing everybody to be exactly where they are and exactly perfect and just meeting them where they are. And, me, and to meet them where they are, I can only meet them where I am myself and and just relaying that back to breath work like of course you know I, I might come across as uh, you know I've you know something's figured out or whatever but I mean you spend time enough time with your family or your kids and you soon get recognized about just how far you've come and but I have to say that because of breath work, because of that regulation that I practice in my nervous system, my reactivity, my frustration, my ability to catch myself at the right time is a lot, a lot more beneficial. And then moving into, you know, breath work, was that uh, another type of a rite of passage uh, situation for you? And, and how did you find it? Hmm. I found it in a beautiful place down in Cork. Um, 
there was a lady that we knew called Mary and I had gone down and I had this Brett work was happening and there was another different man traveling called Adrian. So, you know, there was all this kind of, I guess it's kind of an underground, underground shamanic kind of community. Yeah. And how, how we just lay down and, and what he did do was he, he, he gave everybody a, um, a smoke, one inhalation of, of marijuana. Now, most people, I'm guessing, have smoked marijuana, and, and I had to. And, you know, I don't have a fixation on it or I don't have a, a, a crutch on it. And I was like, okay, I smoked it. And we started breathing really deeply. <sighs> really be i had no idea what was going on and just i was just trusting following trusting and following and this would have been after my experience with with the other five meo dmt medicine uh toad medicine and then how again it just started taking off more layers i was like what is going on here this is i was i was seeing things play out in a very kind of dreamlike way but very vivid of just so many aspects of my life and how, how, how things have been connected and how things make sense to me. And it was quite a, a cathartic and cathartic. I mean, that it was like my body was really up and moving and, you know, I was, it was very kind of physical. Um, so yeah, another rite of passage and I had an amazing experience and and but tiring very tiring and i wanting to go back and revisit that thinking that that is that a once-off but that's just because maybe i smoked some marijuana what was it i did it again three months later i had another profound experience this time where i had a if a this like sense of blue light come into me and come down into my belly and the message that it came it was like um my name is freya and i'm your daughter and i i at this time i'm i'm not married i'm not engaged um i was with i my my, my wife now was my partner um but i was like that's a bit mad that's probably my mind playing some tricks you know but as it turns out, it's just to finish off that story. I've told it before, but it's what it, what it, uh, how it finished out was that one of the guys who was in that room with me, Mike, Mike is also a breathwork practitioner now working in, in India, and how that translated that we were finishing our uh, schooling in breathwork in British Columbia, uh, just up in Vancouver, and with our teacher, Robin Clements, and we're, we're really kind of after a whole two weeks of intense workshop, breathing six hours a day, you know, theory, practical work, somatic ed education. And it was, it was a live-in, you know, a live-in community for two weeks. And, um, and we, this gets brought up because, it gets brought up because I'm then married, this is like two years later, I'm then married and I said, and Mike turns around and goes, wouldn't it? And Heather was pregnant. My, my wife was pregnant. 
And he goes, wouldn't it be crazy, Ronan, if 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 it was um if you named if it if it was a girl and her name was Freya. Because because Freya, because Heather was just three months pregnant, and I had told him, and he's like, and I was like, that would be that would be pretty crazy, all right. Because I wasn't paying too much attention to it. And within 10 seconds, the a dog jumps up and starts licking my face, and the owner goes, Freya, Freya, come here, come here, come here. And we're like, okay, that's it, it isn't going to get any more clearer than that, you know. And uh, so I came back and told I told Heather and Heather was like, I'm pretty sure it's a boy. No, I can feel it's a boy. My intuition is that this is what it's a boy. And I'm like, I am not getting lied to. Um, this is very, very strong for me. So when we went in and whatever, how many ever weeks we were in, we got that, that, uh, that photograph in the womb. And it was, um, she was like, it's a girl. And I was like, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Um, so that was just kind of just one of those fantastic stories around it, you know. Um, but you know, coming back into you know how I developed into breadwork somewhere in between then, after doing a couple of different modalities of breadwork or holotropic work and trying to understand, I got up to Martin Duffy and Dunderry. I did, I did, I did two seasons of coaching with him. And then I went into, went over to Canada with Mike. That was breath wave um, practicing. And we came back and we just, I was just dipping in and out of it. And it wasn't until the, and I was holding, you know, workshops and retreats, but it was only once every two or three months. And then I had the opportunity to do more of it online for the lockdown because people had been, were pretty anxious, you know, of course, as you well understood. And I started doing it on Zoom. I was botched it up for a month and then got the hang of it and grew it and got some recognition and people were talking about it. So now the Wednesday night work, which is my, I guess, my, my calling card or my kind of business card about it, people can come in. It's a donation-based um session on a wednesday evening at 8 30 p.m and it goes on for about an hour and in it i guide people through the many things that might be come up for them and how to just switch off from them and come back into their breathing and the type of breathing is a circular breathing and you know it's beneficial for anxiety it's beneficial for depression management it's beneficial for really Brett work now, as I would explain it, to, to describe Brett work, I would, I would first describe the nervous system and how the nervous system then, Brett work is the gateway to the nervous system. So we are our, we are our nervous systems experiencing the world. How our tensions from our childhood, from our adolescence, from any car crashes, from any falls off the bike, all those kind of things, skiing, whatever it was, physical, mental, and emotional injuries, to use that word, um, or happenings that would have happened to us, eventually come to a stage where the nervous system is like, I'm at nine out of 10, and I, the only way to handle this now is with, the, with severe anxiety. 
and people have coping mechanisms and how a coping mechanism might be cigarettes. A coping mechanism might be alcohol. A coping mechanism might be marijuana, and et cetera, et cetera. Work, workaholics. And um, yeah, prob probably less so coffee, but definitely food. Definitely food is a huge, and you know, coffee is a different one because coffee is beneficial. But it's also, is it a crutch? And when you identify something in your life as a crutch, you're, it's a management system for something that is problematic. Um, so as the nervous system goes on, we explain that all that is all held in the body. It's not held in the mind. So people think of mental health. And I, 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 would, I would err on the side of the, the conversation where, it's not mental health, it's just health. You know, we're, we're trying to, dis, to identify the difference between physical health being muscles in the gym or running and mental health being what's happening in your head. And it's very, very wrong. So, and it's wrong because our mind is in our body. Our mind isn't just between our eyes. That's just where we perceive it to be because that's where we're, we, we think we're thinking from. So, but from the vagal nervous system, coming right down, called after the vagabond nerves, because it goes everywhere in the body, down into the organs, down into the tissues, down into all the components that keep us operating in this magnificent vehicle of a body is our mind. So when you're stressed, what you think is in your head, it's the stress is in your body. And this is how we become, we, through years of ignoring our, mismanaging or not identifying a dis-ease comes into the body and it represents in different areas or in a weak point or so on or it would switch on um it would switch on a um a propensity in the family we'll say to have like a gene it would switch on a gene that would that would be more inclined to cause cancer for example um and that's how the nervous system becomes such a huge understanding of why breath work is an important player, not the only one, but an important, very important player about how we regulate and treat and nourish that as a system. So Tai Chi, yoga, hill walking, all beneficial as well. But no matter what you're doing, you're always going to have to breathe in some sort of a rhythm. So let's make it productive and let's make it conscious instead of just gasping. And when we can do that, we're really har harnessing whatever, whatever toolkit we're having around managing ourselves and our system. You mentioned, so during lockdown, you know, the, the, the Wednesday nights started and are you, so you're doing more breath work related work now. Does that mean you're um, living more increasingly in alignment with the way you want to be living and your values etc cetera, etc cetera. i was screaming all sorts of bloody murder i had to close a gym i got no notice i had to, i was paying rent for another year i was hit pretty badly financially um and i was like jesus you know um and I had been like, there might have been just small numbers on the breadwork as I, as I started to come into it. I think it was May, June at the first lockdown. 
and you know and then i worked it up and there'll be 30 on it and i was like oh that's great you know uh and i'm all i'm constantly trying to uh, you know get it out there grow it i i believe it's a, it's a it's a delivery now which i have pretty well fine-tuned in terms of how the music how the message how the breathing rhythm and all that is connected into something that somebody can do at home and yeah as a result i have messages every day asking me when is the next workshop on because people are still craving for the the workshops are either retreats or in the day workshops and they're creating it because they're creating some people don't like zoom some people get on okay with it but there's just creating the connection of of that space people have lost a huge amount of the ability to connect and to be seen in a in a, to be seen by a community that is that's ready to listen to each other you know so i you know for instance if you're into breathwork into meditation or if you're into yoga there's a lot of categories that are put together that are very similar for everybody else in the room and so when you go on a retreat or when you go on a workshop you're identifying and connecting with people that you've got a, a foothold or an understanding on some level with that you both like to for instance learn more about yourselves and and how and and how you're meeting people then that are on the same wavelength and you're meeting people that are trying to do some work on themselves consciously in the hope that if they do it well enough it becomes a subconscious thing it becomes a positive pattern within their nervous system within their habit within their routines that they're developing and they're constantly developing and as you lean into greater alignment you seem to be pulling more people in to that orbit the more and more i trust it the more and more people come so the more i trust the work that i do the more i am embodied the greater I am aligned and the less worried about where I am is going. It's developing, it's developing, and I'm confident about it. It's, you know, it's not at a, at a, at a place now where I can financially run my household on it. It's not, it really isn't. It's, um, but it's also about creating an awareness for people that they've got somewhere to go and try it out. And you know what? It's not. It's not for everybody. Not everybody is ready to to take some of the the plasters off and have some of those realizations. And I try to do it in a, in, a, in a way where it's just it's very lightly done, and it's not a big ripping of a plaster, as some Brett works can be. And it's 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 somewhere in that where I'm. I just. It's yeah, I love what I do. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of preparation. It takes a lot of concentration. But um, it also, in 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 the same breath, doesn't feel like I'm going to work. 
our, our strap line in, in below the line is this idea of live well, perform better, which, as I was explaining in the before we started recording, has runs the risk of being um, frustratingly vague. Um, and you've probably touched on some of this stuff already, but I just love to know what's your what's your take on on that strap line and uh, what does that mean to you? So living well for me is that living well for for you? You know what? What's your what? What do you have? A, is it a different standard? Or is it just holding ourselves to the standard of where we're currently at and living better? Um, living well, perform better. Yeah, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. I, 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 know the, I know the introduction you're trying to make on it. And you're right, it is, it, it can be vague. So again, kind of just from my perspective is living well is do you know what? It's just, there's a word that gets thrown around so much, and it's um, abundance. Living in abundance, and it's for me, it's a little bit of that of that West Coast America, where the sun is always shining, and the Instagram filter is perfect, and it's like abundance. I'm just really I'm sitting here and I'm manifesting. You know, and you know, if you can do that and you're good at it, I'm I'm really, really happy. I'm delighted. I'd love to learn more how to do that. But living, you know, there's a that practical side of me comes back into that practical side of me comes back into abundance, you know, is realizing that you already have it. And you're not looking for it. And abundance is a practice of gratitude for the for the frustrations, a practice of gratitude for the for the resistance that you're meeting in your life. Because all of them have a message for you that are going to move you onto a next stage. So manifesting lotto numbers are manifesting, you know drops of money from the sky or for instance you know it's sometimes you know we manifest and we align ourselves and we start meeting people that are that are more beneficial in our lives or we start me meeting people that have that are really good at doing something that we're not and through a communion and through a collaboration you know and working with somebody and creating a goal that is prosperous is is abundance yeah but if anyone if anyone has listened to this conversation so far, they'll know that, you know, living well for you is not about um, accumulation or consumption. It's it's about a value alignment. It's about under you know it it is a it's a deeper uh, proposition for you. I think. Thank you, and that's true. But it's also it also is the same because you know where I'm not chasing. A financial gain i do believe that by living in my alignment and living in my from my heart and from my authenticity and from integrity and love what i'm doing i might not be a billionaire i might not have several hundred million but i will do well yeah uh on the on that you know and, and doing well for me is not having to worry 
that money is is tight or not having to worry that food is is um quality food like and i mean you know we can go down to many different stores and pick up food for cheap you know but what we put into our bodies is is very important and you know and again driving a car that allows me to carry children safely for instance you know uh, as well as yeah i like i am in that manifestation place where i am looking to attract and work abroad three or four months of the year in in a, in a different climate just <laughs> the winter here and you know like somewhere like portugal or hawaii who knows but it's that those things are on my radar and i'm i'm aligned to inviting those those aspects in and yeah so, so again somewhere in there so living living in 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 that way for me is is that is that manifestation and it's it's it, it is happening and people and one of the frustrations i guess i would have is how people want to do breath work or they want to do a retreat and how they want to say i'm going from here to this position level two to level nine now because i've done that because i've i've you know i i know now i've done it and people don't have patience people don't know that it's again to use those phrases that it's not it's not about the goal it's not about the end journey the end journey is the consistency of the journey that takes you to the place of where you are day to day and how and how you are ready to engage enjoy or be frustrated with that that's a decision you obviously you've spoken about breath work um but i'm interested in as well as breath work um you know what what other practices or habits or behaviors are you are you doing on a daily weekly whatever basis to just help you show up and do the live well perform better piece um physical activity physical activity is important and finding something that doesn't doesn't grate your soul by being in a gym or being on a bike or whatever it is but finding that it, it could be a team game it could be up the mountains it could be walking the dog but you stick to it it's a physical so we um you know these bodies get older these bodies get less resilient um watch the food that we're putting into it you know like turn up and go ah we're all going I, i've heard it before we're listen we're all going to die someday we may as well have a have a couple extra points so we may as well next you know eat that eat those chocolates you know we're, we're here for a short time not a long time you've heard those kind of comments i just it's an absolute cop out it's an absolute cheat and, and disservice to yourself and to what you are by by just letting yourself have that that standard so food water is very important i'm a stickler on water because and I'm, a, and I'm a stickler for not allowing plastic as much as possible into my into my nutrition um bottled water for me is a no-no um i have water on the tap that i would use and fill up and go from there but it's, it's filtered water but the you know um so food water is huge and as a, a and as you have a practice of nervous system awareness, and that again, it, I'm not 
telling people it, it has to be brat work. I'm telling you that brat work is used in all the modalities that help do it. So Tai Chi, yoga, etc. And and how you become how you become create more space within your, your system. Or I, how the word I would often use would be bandwidth. And when you create a bandwidth in your system, you are you just have a better resilience. You have a better start catch catch catching moments when you just go, that's my trigger. I'm not adhering to my trigger. And, you know, getting angry at somebody really only hurts the person that's angry. You know, um, as the, the quote goes, it's like, anger is like trying, is holding a hot coal, wanting to throw it at someone else, but it's, it's always too hot that it never reaches that person. And just burns your hand you know uh, you can use that in different in different con in different kind of like anger would be the different the big one yeah based on the, on your perspective and what you're seeing particularly over the last two years you mentioned anxiety as well but what are the main health or well-being or performance challenges that you see being faced by by people you know that you come across or the things that you observe in in people right now uh guilt Guilt is a big one, um, and the guilt that they should be doing better, or the guilt that they're not there for their kids enough, is a big one. Um, and how guilt is is happening is because, again, social media would be a big trigger point, and how you feel that you're not enough, and you feel that you're doing so much in, and you're trying so hard, and you're you're not that body type, or you're not that bank account, and there's like, oh, what's wrong with me? What am I doing? Right? I should be doing better. Uh, that self-loathe, that self. That's, again, a, a version of frustration. But, you know, people, people need to get off. I mean, social media is a big culprit for fairness. And I am on social media through Instagram as something that I do check in because it's, it's one of my platforms. But, um, You know, people are people are guilty because they feel they should be something else. Now, if you feel you're something, if you feel you should be something else, it means that you're not content or you're not happy with who you are. And somewhere in there is your journey, or somewhere in there is no point in me telling someone you you are enough and uh, trust me that you are. Uh, you're you're more magnificent than than you can understand. And they go, oh, you're very nice, thank you. That that's lovely. But until they realize it, and to realize it, you need a practice. And it's not that sometimes it's, it's an aha moment, but often it's just that layer, step, layer, step. And after a couple of months or maybe a year or whatever, it's like I'm in a different place. I have better values for myself. I have better boundaries for myself. I have better aspirations for myself. And... You know, I've, I've, you know I've, I've dealt with part of the frustrations that, which are usually parental and family-based on how, on, on how they are kind of stigmatizing my own self-respect 
just from your own perspective and your own experience, what's the one piece of advice you would give to anyone who's looking to live well and perform better? Surround yourself with people who are doing it. You know, if you surround, if you're, if you're, if you want to live well and perform better, but you're going to the same, the same uh, entertainment system or the same group of guys or girls that are, that aren't looking to do that, then you probably won't do it. You know? Um, so it's some, like change in yourself often means losing friends or losing what you thought the idea was for friends were. But then you've got to look at it kind of going, are they friends? Or are they just people that tell me, that don't challenge me and tell me that I'm right and make me feel good about reinforcing the narrative that I have about myself, which is really not so beneficial. I'm a great guy. <laughs> you know, you know, um, that would be one who you're hanging around with. Number two is do what practice for self development are you doing? And I don't always mean in an educational way. I don't always mean in a, um, you know, kind of a, a sort of performance way, you know, it, it can, it can be gardening. It can be, you know, spending a couple of hours helping the dogs down the shelter, whatever it is. And it's just creating and supporting that em empathy and supporting that evolution of compassion and, and love within yourself. And it's different for different people, but find the one. And it, it, traditionally, when you ask someone, they'll be able to tell you because they knew it when they were younger and they've been coached out of recognizing it. My last question, just in terms of, of Breathwave Ireland, it's breathwaveireland.com. There's the Wednesday nights, but maybe just tell us a little bit more about that and, and anything else that's going to, people might be interested or curious to know about you or that you've got going on. Thank you. It's... um. Yeah, so I, I do workshops. People invite me up to either their, their yoga studios and there's, you know, there's a split in how we manage that. Or I would run my own retreats. Um, uh, anybody out there who's got venues for four retreats with kind of the numbers of 15, 20 upwards. Yeah, I'd love to hear from them. I'm always looking for, for those bigger places, uh, bigger retreats. Um, I work with cacao, which is kind of a bit of a buzz in, 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 in this community as well. And so I am been lucky enough to, to source some really, really lovely, soft cacao in, uh, from Bali. So I'm, I'm starting to create a brand around that as a product as well. Um, again, that's probably part of the manifestation you know, uh, creating a brand around around cacao and maybe a few other things, and um, you know, being able to manage my life online. So I still thoroughly believe that even from building a successful business that I'm passionate about, you know, I can still do it in two weeks every month. You know, and that I'm not flogging the horse or flogging myself you know that's not saying that there's a lot of work to put in but um 
just that balance. And I know that balance is there for me because ultimately when we're so many people are on that palliative care bed, what they say is they wish they spent more time with their kids. So I don't want to be one of them. Well, it sounds to me like you won't, that you're well on the way to manifesting, as you say, that that type of life. And look, we'll draw to a close there. But Ronan, uh, thanks very much for being so generous with your time. Um, as as we said already, breathwaveireland.com is where people can find out more about you. But that was a fascinating excursion into the deepest reaches of, you know, the human experience um, all the way up to um, all sorts of things, consumerism, to philosophy, the whole, it ran the gamut. So thanks a million. Thanks for having me, Dave. Thank you.